Coming up on this episode, the Warriors have recently held workouts with seven free agents, so which ones are most worthy of the vacant 14th roster spot, and why Draymond Green's recent comments should provide optimism to Warrior fans heading into the season. Yes, welcome to the Golden State with Mates podcast. I'm, uh, I'm struggling a little bit. At the moment, getting into the groove of the NBA season upcoming, obviously, and went and played some social basketball with a few mates the other night, and unfortunately, as you do in basketball, severe ankle sprain, no good. Just the classic jump up for a rebound, land on someone's foot, instant pain straight away, was probably on the on the floor for a few minutes, let's say, just trying to regather myself. And uh, ended up getting up, ended up kind of trying to walk it off. It was about, we had the court for an hour. It was about five minutes in. I paid for the court, so I thought, no, heck, I'm not going to bloody waste this. And so I kind of walked, jogged it off, kept playing, which was the worst possible thing to do. And then uh, the following morning woke up and could not, could not put any weight through my right foot whatsoever. Uh, severe pain. I, I've rolled, I'm sure, plenty of you that have played basketball, you know, roll our ankles all the time. This is clearly the worst one I've ever had, really, to the point that I actually went to the doctors on Wednesday just to double-check that it wasn't anything more serious. Uh, he told me that it was just a severe ankle sprain, uh, gave me some medication, which you probably think I'm a bit of a wuss for, but I, I tell you, it's. I, I like to think I've got a pretty good pain threshold. This was this was really really bad. I'm not gonna lie. Like I broke my elbow a couple of times. Um, you know, done some stuff to my knees. You know, that kind of stuff. But this was in terms of just a sprained ankle. This was really bad. Um, even with, so, I've been on crutches, and uh, thankfully I'm now coming right. I still can't walk properly, but I can put some weight through it and kind of hobble around. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been much fun over the last kind of 48, 72 hours. That's for sure. Pretty bedridden. Uh, anyway, more more on the Warriors and less about me. So over the last couple of days, we had a report from Hoops Hype's Michael Scotto uh, reporting that the Golden State Warriors have held workouts with seven different NBA free agents over recent times. They are former Warriors Juan Toscano, Anderson, Kent Bazemore, and Dwayne Dedman. Uh, few might not know that Dwayne Dedman, I think, played four games for the Warriors about 10 years ago to start off his career. Also, uh, Jalen Noel, who's an interesting 24-year-old shooting guard who's played four years with the Minnesota Timberwolves, former top 10 pick Stanley Johnson, uh, and longtime NBA veterans Derek Favors, and also Will Barton. So let's kind of go through here and evaluate these players. I, I had an article earlier today on, or sorry, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be yesterday, uh, on Blue Man Hoop, kind of evaluating and ranking these seven players based on who I think is um, best positioned for the Warriors' vacant 14th roster spot. We should be getting training camp deals confirmed here pretty soon, and then obviously there'll probably be a fight for that 14th spot uh, in training camp in preseason um, throughout the, the Warriors' outings in preseason as well before we get ready for tip-off on October 24 against the Phoenix Suns. So first of all here, I did want to mention as well, it looks like two of the training camp deals will go to Kent Bazemore and Juan Toscano Anderson because Moses Moody, I'm not sure if he he definitely didn't deliberately do this, uh, but it did catch the eye of Warrior fans. He posted an Instagram story where Kent Bazemore and Juan Toscano Anderson's 
names were up uh, in lockers or on lockers. Uh, so that, to me, just confirms that they'll probably be around for pre-season, for training camp. Uh, extra bodies that can, their, from their perspective, they'll push for uh, for that 14th roster spot, as I speak about. So let's go through the seven. Uh, a couple of these players, like like those two that I just mentioned, Bazemore and Toscano Anderson, we, we've known for a while that the Warriors have been holding workouts with them and looking at them as potential options. Uh, but a couple of these other ones are new faces uh, that have been linked to the Warriors that hadn't previously. So I'm starting at seven with Kent Bazemore. I've spoken about him earlier in the uh, the offseason. I don't think he's necessarily... Uh, he's certainly not an on-court fit for the Warriors. I don't think they need his style of you know 3 and D ability. I think they've got Moses Moody. They've got someone like... I know Gary Payton's not a three-point shooter as such, but they've got... GP2, who plays a similar position coming off the bench. I think they've got, you know, options at their disp- at Steve Kerr's disposal to forego any thought of Kent Bazemore. He's also, you know, 34 years old. He ha- didn't play in the league last season. Before that, he played 39 rather forgettable games with the Lakers after he left the Warriors for Los Angeles in the 2021 offseason. And, you know, Golden State went from a team in 2021, uh, sorry, 2020-21, that was, you know, a solid team. Bazemore played pretty well, shot a career high in three-point percentage over 40% in that year. But they failed to make uh, the playoffs, obviously eliminated in the playing tournament. And then Bazemore leaves and, you know, the Warriors hardly miss a beat. Come out 18-2 and two the start of the next season, ended up winning the, the 2022 championship. So I think that goes to show that Kent Bazemore was probably not the biggest need, nor was he the biggest loss. Uh, when he did depart for the Lakers, that's for sure. So I just don't see him. I've, I've seen people suggest, you know, culturally as a fit, he'd be good for the vibes on the bench and stuff like that. I get, I get that. I understand that. But I do think Juan Toscano Anderson would be a better option, and I'll, I'll talk about him a little later here. Number six, I've got Jalen Noel, which is really interesting because Jalen Noel of these seven players is probably the best. Flat out, he's probably the best of these seven players. He's the most talented. He's the most proven in terms of recent times. Averaged over 10 points a game with the Timberwolves last season. The last two years has become a really solid part of their rotation. Averaged nearly 20 minutes a game last season for a pretty decent team. Like They ended up making the playoffs. So he's certainly no scrub. He certainly deserves another opportunity in the league. He's actually probably one of the biggest surprises to have remained as a free agent at this point in the offseason. You would have thought one team would have picked him up by now. I'm surprised that he's you know having to hold workouts with the Warriors and potentially other teams. I would have thought he's got to a point in his career where that doesn't have to happen, where teams know what he can do uh, and therefore will we'll pick him up without necessarily having to ha- have a great look at him. So I do find it surprising. He's a talented player. I do see the kind of idea of, okay, maybe he can add some bench scoring that the Warriors have lost in the way of Jordan Poole. I just think that with Chris Paul coming in and creating offense and you know getting more looks for the likes of Moody and Kaminga, Dario Saric is an offensive-minded player that will come in and play in that bench unit. I just don't think you necessarily need another 6'4 or shorter guard. Uh, in the rotation, I think there's already enough of those with, you know, Steph and CP and, you know, Corey Joseph there if needed, GP2. So, you know, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily required. As much as, as I said, Jalen Noel might be the actual, the best player of these seven, I think in terms of fit-wise, he might be 
at the least um, suitable, I guess, for the current Warrior roster, which is which is a shame given how talented he is and how surprising it is that he's still a free agent at this point. Number five, I've got Will Barton, and so a little bit bigger than Jalen Noel, more of that kind of three and D. It's kind of been a bit of a, a downhill spiral for Will Barton in recent times. He was a really good starting caliber player for a, for multiple good Denver Nuggets teams over the years, and went to Toronto. Sorry, started the season in Washington, uh, didn't play overly well. Went to Toronto, didn't play overly well. His three point shooting kind of fell off a little bit last season. Now. I do think that there is an element here that you throw Will Barton back into a good system with really dangerous three-point threats around him, that he could get a lot more open looks and therefore shoot a much higher percentage back up in the you know, 38 39% this season if he was to play with Golden State. I know, you know doing kind of some previews of Toronto and whatnot, they have got probably the worst three-point shooting starting lineup in the league. In fact, just the, their roster in general really lacks three-point shooting, particularly with Fred Van Vliet now missing. Now, yes, Fred Van Vliet was with Toronto last season when Will Barton was there, but I do give Will Barton a little bit of uh, leeway, I suppose, for his lack of three-point shooting last season, playing for two poor, poorer teams, obviously, in Washington and Toronto. Uh, but still, not a player that I don't think is a fit for the world. I, I see he's a... He's an older Moses Moody, in my opinion. Like, Moody, I think he's a better player than Will Barton right now and has the upside to be a much better player. So I think when we're talking about players that could come in here and potentially take some of the minutes of the younger players like Moody and Kaminga, you've got to be careful that these are actually going to be really impactful players because there's no point taking away minutes from those young guys to players that are going to do a similarish job. There's just no point. You might as well have Moody out there. And I just think that Will Barton would come in and potentially take some of Moody's minutes and not necessarily have the impact that's making that worthy, I suppose. Number four, I've got Stanley Johnson on this list. So he's a bit of an interesting one. He's six foot six, but he's a primarily a power forward. And I actually think with the with the Golden State Warriors, he'd, he'd play more as a small ball center. Now, do they need... Another one of those when they've got Draymond and Dario Saric. I know I've been pushing for another big that can potentially play at the five, obviously, over the course of this offseason. But I think that needs to be more so a you know seven foot, you know six ten, six eleven, whatever it is, you know, big guy rather than another small ball option that Stanley Johnson could potentially provide. I've been a little bit surprised with the lack of love for him around the league. You know, he's pretty athletic and finish around the rim. Somewhat versatile on defense, I suppose. Uh, yeah, his jump shot is a work in progress, but he did shoot 45% from three with the Spurs last season in 30 games. So clearly there's some elements of improvement there. I thought he had a pretty good stretch at the Lakers a couple of years ago. You know, for, for me, it probably, again, comes down to the um, the youth thing with him in terms of he'd just be taking, maybe pushing for minutes over Kaminga. And one, I don't think that would happen. I think Kaminga's a much better player than Stanley Johnson is and will be a much better player than what Stanley Johnson is. And I just don't think that that's worthwhile. Stanley, you know, the, the skill sets slightly overlap a little bit with the athleticism, the kind of physical frames they have, the the uncertain three-point shooting at this point of their careers. Although Stanley Johnson's now 27 years old, I don't think that's ever going to get to a point where teams are truly threatened by his three-point shot, even if it says he shot 45% from uh, from three with the Spurs last season. So 
I don't I don't completely hate it. I actually, as I said before, I'm surprised by the lack of love around the league for him. His numbers have actually been okay the last couple of years, albeit in limited opportunity. So I hope he gets a shot somewhere. Again, I just don't think it will be with the Warriors. Uh, the number three, I've got Dwayne Dedman. The idea of Dwayne Dedman is perfect. A seven-footer with some interior defensive presence and the ability to shoot from beyond the arc. Where where can I sign up? The idea of that is fantastic. The reality is that he's 34 years old. He hasn't been overly impactful for a couple of years now. He just recorded the worst plus-minus of his, plus of his career in 22-23, playing with the Miami Heat and then the Philadelphia 76ers. I just I don't necessarily see him having a great impact now. I can't be too hypocritical here and say that oh, I want someone that can just fill spot minutes here and there at the centre position, you know, when Loon's out resting or, you know, Dario Surridge or Draymond Green are in foul trouble kind of thing. You need someone off the bench. Like, whatever situation it is, you know, I can't be here to cr- hypocritical saying I want someone to play five, ten minutes here and there and then just completely shut myself off to Dwayne Dedman. That's why I have him three on the list. I think there's better players below him. But in terms of what Golden State need, that's why I've got him at three. Because the idea of him is actually really good. If you get the best out of him, it'd be fine. It'd be perfect. But unfortunately, I think at 34 years of age, I don't think he's necessarily anywhere close to his best and anywhere close to being an impactful player for any team next season, uh, this season, let alone the Warriors. But we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, number two is Derek Favors. So you could kind of put him in a similar bracket in terms of will he actually provide anything for the Warriors. I'm just surprised at why he's out of the league, if I'm being totally honest. like, So you look at his numbers with OKC in 2021-22. So he didn't play at all last season. You look at his numbers there. Look, they weren't overly great, that's for sure. But I do think that you've got to, again, give a little bit of leeway here. He was on a young, rebuilding team, not necessarily looking to win. Are we taking too much into account with that? And then you look at his numbers with the Utah Jazz in 2020-21. Average 5.4 points, shot 63.8% from the field. Five and a half rebounds and one block in 15.3 minutes per game. Again, I just think, you know, he's six foot nine, but he plays, I mean, he's primarily a power forward, I guess, next to Gobert for a number of years there in Utah. But at this point of his career and the way the league has gone, he's definitely a center at this point. But I think he does play bigger than his six foot nine size. He can rebound the ball. He can be somewhat of a defensive presence. And again, I just think that there's maybe better players on this list that are further down, but for what Golden State need to have someone available who could play five, ten minutes here and there every second, third game, whatever it is, I don't hate it. Right? I don't hate it. And, I'm again, I'm slightly surprised that he's out of the league completely at the moment. I'm really surprised. Why no team was you know, willing to, to have a crack at him last season, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure there's people that watched a lot more of his play in OKC in 21-22 than I did and could evaluate better on why he didn't get a contract with any team last season, but I do find it surprising, that is for sure. And then number one on the list, too, I did one of these when the Warriors had those six players that they held workouts with quite a few weeks ago now. I had JTA at the top of that list, and I have him at the top of this list, too, uh, because when you're talking about the 14th roster spot, we are talking about players that are going to have limited impact, right? 
Like none of these guys are going to come into the Warriors roster, come into the Warrior rotation and play 15 plus minutes every game. That's not going to happen. And there is no one available that is, that, that is going to be able to do that. No one available on the free agent market that's going to come in and play the kind of role that uh, you know some fans may want out of this final roster spot or 14th roster spot, albeit they will use the fifth. They probably won't use the 15th roster spot at all, and if they do, it will probably be some point during the season rather than before the season. Anyway, he's not the most talented player on this list, JTA. That is for certain. In fact, he's probably one of the least. As I said before, Jalen Noel, I think he's clearly the most talented player on this list and the most recently proven as well, and he's only 24. He's got high upside. But JTA, as I said, when we're talking about the 14th roster spot, I think you've got to really take the off-court stuff into account. And I think he can bring the kind of off-court intangibles, the vibes, the culture, the chemistry that could prove extremely beneficial while also having the history of playing within a Warrior system of being like a 6-7-6-8 power forward who can you know fit in and mould into a bunch of different lineups like he could play in the front court alongside Draymond but he could also play in the front court alongside Saric alongside Loon like he is kind of he's versatile to a degree like he doesn't do anything spectacularly well but he doesn't do anything spectacularly badly although his three-point shooting last season was pretty horrific but again playing in the Warrior system if you could get that back to you know 33 34 percent you know close to league average then you've got a guy who is pretty versatile and you can throw into a bunch of different lineups, knows how to play Steve Kerr's style, is a willing passer, a willing ball mover, can move off ball, can play in the dunker spot. Again, maybe he can you know cash an open corner three every now and again. Defensively, not a great defender as such, but a pretty good defender and, again, has some versatility and some athleticism to switch across positions. I just, I just think he's... The best, the best fit right now, and I'm looking at the free agent market, and I just don't think there's a player out there that is going to bring the same kind of off court impact that JTA is going to have, while having any any major on court impact. Again, like if you're not going to be able to find anybody that's consistently going to be able to play ten plus minutes a game, which I doubt you're going to find at this point, then you might as well go for the guy who's going to be the best impact for you off the floor, and that by far and away, is going to be JTA. It just is. And so I I think if I had to say who's going to be the 14th roster spot right now, I'd have him at over 50%. And if I was to take him or the pack, <laughs> I would take him. I think I think he's just the most obvious option here for Golden State. They clearly want to hold workouts with him. Um, he's clearly in there. He's clearly going to be there for training camp. And yes, preseason will be important. He'll get you know game time here and there in preseason action that may solidify his spot. And look, it may not. He may come out, shoot the ball horrifically from three on the odd occasions that he does you know attempt a three point shot. He you know he may look like a guy that you know was not impactful for the Lakers and for the Jazz last season, which is what he was. He went to the Lakers and was poor for them, and then shot the ball horrifically bad for Utah last season. So whether he's got 
a lot to give the Warriors. I don't know. I just know he's got a lot to. He's going to have a lot to give off court. And there's no doubt, as I've said before this offseason, there's no doubt that when he and GP2 left last offseason, that the Warriors certainly lost something from a cultural perspective. So we're going to probably see some confirmed training camp deals here shortly, and that will certainly include JTA. I think it will certainly include Kent Baseball. And maybe one or two of these other players as well. I wouldn't mind Favors or Deadman as potential training camp deals just to see what they could potentially do come preseason. Just before I go, I wanted to mention briefly about Draymond's recent comments in a really good ESPN article by Om Youngmasuk. I'm going to pronounce it. I've probably butchered the crap out of that, but that's what I'm going to go with. I apologize if I've got that terribly wrong, but I do appreciate this uh, interview with Draymond Green. I thought it was absolutely fantastic article, really well written, and it really you know gave us a, a deeper understanding of Draymond and I think we're all really admire Draymond's honesty. Most of the time, we'd love that. Some of the time, I think it gets him into trouble. But I I really enjoyed the kind of openness here, the kind of self-reflection that I think Draymond undertook during this interview. And I just wanted to specifically mention his comments regarding Chris Paul. So he was firstly asked how much, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did he kind of despise Chris Paul, and he was very adamant on basically saying 11, uh, absolutely hated the guy. But then he followed up with this quote, which I think is really important and a, a potential provides potential optimism for Warrior fans heading into this season. He said, I look at this as one of the most important years of my career. It's not to redeem anything about Draymond. My goal is that we can help Chris Paul get his first championship. And... Yes, that like it's easy to say, but I just don't think that Draymond necessarily had to be that forthright in his answer and in his words there. And I thought he was, and I thought that meant a lot. I've been really critical of Draymond and some of his comments this offseason, particularly in regard to the Jordan Poole stuff, and you know, and often wanting just to rehash the whole situation and add commentary to it when it wasn't really required. But I think what we see here is hopefully the start of a really unselfish Golden State team heading into this season. I think that was a big issue for the team last season was there was not the same unselfishness that there was the year before, obviously in the championship season. And I think there's a couple of things about that. You know, the the young players at that point, you know, Moody, Kaminga were both rookie were both rookies in that season. Wiseman was completely out injured. Jordan Poole was still a player who had to prove himself in the league, and then last season you kind of get the dynamic between the older and younger players. Obviously, it starts with the Dre JP incident in training camp, but then you've got situations where Moody and Kaminga are wanting to make a name for themselves, particularly Kaminga, I suppose, and rightly so, wanting to make them na- make names for themselves as NBA players, wanting to earn themselves money on their next contract. JP comes in um, at this point has a real swagger about him, which clearly was a fantastic thing most of the time, but then other times, I guess, caught some of the veteran core um, a little off guard, I suppose, and that's probably what helped lead to the the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green uh, incident. Not that I want to put any of the blame on Jordan Poole in that scenario, but you know, just from what's been reported and what we've heard, that's kind of you know how it took place. And so you have that kind of youth v. veteran dynamic, and I just think that that led to... A, a kind of 
you know, selfishness among, you know, a lot of different parties and a lot of competing interests um, between players and therefore, you know, the whole team, there just wasn't the unity that there was at that championship season in 2022. And so hopefully, you know, this kind of comment, as I said, I don't think Draymond needed to be so forthright with what he said. You know, my goal is that we can help Chris Paul get his first championship. I think that speaks volumes for you know, how Golden State are going to try and approach this season, you know, all in together, regardless of what's happened in the past. And nothing, you know, typifies that more than the relationship between Draymond Green and Chris Paul in the past. And I just think if Dre and CP can really get on together, can form a dynamic partnership on and off the floor, then I think that will filter to everyone else in the locker room, everyone else at the franchise. And you're going to see a United team that's going to have a much greater opportunity to try and win a fifth championship here in the last decade. So I I do think that that comment in particular just does provide some optimism for Warrior fans that, hey, things could be a little different this season as opposed to last. And again, maybe you know that might be added to the fact we're going to have GP2 for a whole season and potentially JTA back. And that kind of all adds to the encapsulation of the team unity, the chemistry, playing for one another, uh, and hopefully all reaching the one goal, obviously, of an NBA championship in 2024. So uh, apart from that, guys, we'll finish it up on that. Uh, hope you're having a better week than I am. Hopefully you've got a bit more movement uh, and vibrancy about you than what I have, having been stuck in bed for a couple of days here just uh, icing up the uh, the ankle and elevating and all the stuff that um, medical science tells you to do for injuries like this. Hopefully I'll be back up and about back on the basketball court fairly soon and uh, and until next time you can catch more of my news and analysis on bluemanhoop.com or you can follow me at POC252, that's P-O-K 252 on Twitter. Cheers guys.